Our scripture this morning comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Hear now the word of the Lord. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing this morning in our sermon series looking at the Acts of the Apostles, which describes the earliest days of the Christian church. In our passage this morning, which takes place in the days following Pentecost that we talked about last Sunday, after the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter went out and started preaching about Jesus to all the amazed crowds, urging them to repent and be baptized. And he assured them that they too would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. You know... My sermons have never gotten that kind of response. <laughs> and so we come to our text this morning, which is one of the more challenging passages in Scripture for us to read. Not because there's any difficult names to pronounce or lofty theological concepts to grasp or, or challenging commandments to obey. There aren't any. Not because it's a, a violent or, or, or uh, ugly text or dark and scary. No, it's, it's incredibly peaceful and, and, and positive. In fact, it's, it's an amazing snapshot of the life of these very first Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. I mean, they were all together, worshiping in the temple, praising God, eating their food with glad and generous hearts. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it kind of makes me wish I could have been there to experience what that must have been like. But then we come to that part that makes many of us begin to squirm in our seats. They had all things in common. And they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Now I must confess that whenever I read this text, the first thing I usually do is start arguing with it. You know, coming up with all the reasons why we shouldn't have to do that kind of thing, why it's so unrealistic, why we can safely let ourselves off the hook from having to do anything of the sort. I mean, after all, it just sounds so 
un-American, almost communist-like, and we all know that kind of thing never works. I mean, human beings are just not capable of that kind of selflessness and, and, and communal living. And besides, if, if we gave all our stuff away, then we'd be homeless and hungry as well. I mean, it's foolishness. So maybe we should just skip ahead to the part about eating together. I mean, that's always the best part anyways, right? And there's nothing like delicious food to give us all glad and generous hearts. I mean, surely that's why the early church grew so fast. All that good food. So maybe we should just skip ahead to that part and focus there instead. Yeah, well, Scripture never lets us off the hook that easily. After all, this is the word of the Lord for the people of God. So maybe we need to take a different look at this passage. And I believe that if we will allow the Holy Spirit to tear down our self-defenses and our preconceived notions and give us a different perspective, then perhaps we might see this scene not as the apex in human achievement of communal living, but as a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven here on earth given birth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now part of our problem is that we have been trained to think according to the ways of our culture. I mean, we politicize just about everything, and then we immediately pick our sides and start defending it with blind stubbornness and ferocity. And so when we read about these, these Christians selling their stuff and giving it away to those who are in need, our default mode is simply to declare whether we're in favor of this or against it, then to come up with all the reasons why so that we can start to argue our position. But all of that completely misses the point. See, sometimes in the church we have a tendency to to, to view the Bible as simply our instruction manual, which details exactly what we're supposed to do in life. And certainly there are plenty of commandments given to us in Scripture, and we need to pay particular attention to the commands that Jesus has given us. But the Bible is, is really more like a, a painting in words of who God is and what God's kingdom is all about. This is one of the primary things that the prophets of Israel were trying to convey. See, the prophets were really vision casters, and they kept trying to describe a different reality and way of life than the one the Israelites had been living. They painted verbal pictures of what life is like when God is sitting on the throne in our lives. They kept placing this vision before the people and urging them to live into it and warning them of the consequences if they did not. Well, when Jesus came along, he, he picked up this prophetic mantle in his own ministry. In his teaching and especially in his parables, Jesus is less giving us specific instructions for daily living as he is painting a vision of what life is like in God's kingdom, a kingdom that was already breaking into the world through his own ministry. 
And Jesus kept inviting people to become a part of that kingdom, to live into its reality, even though it had not yet fully arrived in this world. And Jesus created a community to continue painting and realizing that vision. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent his own spirit to empower that community so that when we live in faithfulness to this heavenly vision, we actually participate in making it an earthly reality. I mean, this is what the church is all about. It's meant to be a, a motion picture of this alternate reality for the world to see. Sort of a, a colony of heaven here on earth. In their book, Resident Aliens, Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willimon write, A colony is a beachhead, an outpost, an island of one culture in the middle of another. A place where the values of home are reiterated and passed on to the young. A place where the distinctive language and lifestyle of the resident aliens is lovingly nurtured and reinforced. See, a colony is like a, a miniature version of the homeland in a foreign land. And it's meant to replicate what the homeland is like. Now, one of the greatest challenges that we all face as Christians living in America is that it is so easy for us to become a little too comfortable, a little too at home in what is in reality a foreign land for us. Remember that in our baptisms, our citizenship has been transferred from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of God. Our true home is now in heaven where Jesus Christ sits victoriously on the throne. Therefore, it is with Christ alone that our ultimate allegiance lies. Not our nation, or our political party, or our ethnic group, or our social group, or dare I say, our football team. And Jesus has called us to be a colony of our true home, an outpost of heaven right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And he wants us to share his vision of heaven on earth with more people that it might become a reality in their lives as well. And one of the primary ways that we do that is by how we live together in community as the body of Christ. Not out of any sense of obligation, but simply out of gratitude and joy. And when those first Christians heard the, the incredible good news about Jesus and caught the vision, they responded with radical generosity toward God and other members of the community. For now they, they understood that, that everything they had was a gift from God. None of it really belonged to them. 
but they had been given the privilege of using those resources to glorify and honor God through their generosity. And so they had no trouble giving away of some of what they had for other members of the community who needed it more than they did. It was just their way of, of fulfilling the pledge that they had made when they surrendered their lives to Jesus. But we who have been raised in the kingdom of thingdom, the most materialistic and individualistic culture in human history, where this kind of dedication and, and, and devotion to our community and to our neighbors seems so foreign to us, when we hear about this kind of generosity, we immediately start asking nervously whether this is required of us or not. But notice in our text, nobody was commanded to give any of their stuff away. No, this was just a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They were just so full of gratitude and so alive in this new world into which they had been reborn and they believed in it so deeply that their lives simply became the canvas of the Holy Spirit who painted a startling picture of the kingdom of heaven for all the world to see. You see, their incredible generosity was not a, a human achievement. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's just the kind of thing that happens when the kingdom of God breaks into this world. But be very sure, this incredible moment did not happen in a vacuum. Now, I think the reason that those first Christians were able to respond with such freedom and such selflessness and such joy was not only because they were just so grateful for the new life and the salvation that they had been freely given in Jesus Christ, but because they were so committed to one another, worshiping together, praying together, studying together, eating together. They saw themselves as a family, a family who shared the same Father in heaven where their true citizenship belonged. And so they became a, a colony of heaven right there in Jerusalem, doing things that made absolutely no sense whatsoever unless what they believed about Jesus was true. And all those practices that they were doing together, were ways of, of opening themselves up to the Holy Spirit who made miracles happen through their faithfulness. For surely what they did was impossible by human standards. But as Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Now, we live in a very different time and place than those first Christians did. And so if the Holy Spirit started flinging kingdom paint around this place, I'm sure it would look quite different than it did back then. 
But surely we've already seen glimpses of the Spirit's work among us, haven't we? I mean, just last Sunday after church, we got to see the slides and hear the stories about all that God has been doing among our church family on the mission journeys we've been on all over the world. And we, we see it every time a group of new members commits to being a part of this family or, or whenever another child is baptized or whenever the choir angelically sings another breathtaking anthem. We see it when, when, when people put their gifts in the offering plate with grateful and generous hearts. So whenever people go out of their way to, to, to welcome and be hospitable to a new person in the church or, or when we help others out in the community who are in need. I mean, surely there are glimpses of the kingdom going on all around us for those who have eyes to see. But I believe we are only touching the surface. And I wonder what else we might do as a community to open ourselves up to the artistry of the Holy Spirit so that this church might become a little bit more on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we could start by devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, perhaps by joining a grace group or by going to one of our Bible studies or Sunday school classes. We do it by, by making worship a priority and spending time in prayer and devotion with God and eating our food with glad and generous hearts. We do it by, by taking care of one another the way families should. Remember, the church is meant to be a colony of heaven, a herald of God's coming kingdom, which in Jesus Christ has already broken into this world, a world that is just dying for a better story than the one we see on the news every night. And by the very way that we live together as a family, by how we welcome new people into our community, by how generously we respond to all that God has given to us, we announce to this world what the kingdom of heaven is like. And if we will commit ourselves to living with the same kind of faithfulness and hospitality and generosity of those first Christians, then I believe that the Holy Spirit will be painting the most incredible vision of the kingdom of heaven right here in our midst. So we don't have to wish that we could have been back there to experience what it was like in those early days of the church. We can experience the same thing right here and now. But for that to happen, we have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit take out the divine paintbrush and start flinging kingdom paint all over this place and maybe even coloring outside the lines. And I know that might make some of us here a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because this world should always be a little uncomfortable for those who know that it is not our true home. And thanks be to God, that in Jesus Christ, a better home awaits. And I'm telling you, the food is going to be great.